Shoku Iobori, a businessman, or a former businessman whose business went bankrupt. And since his business went bankrupt, he has locked himself in his room. He only sometimes comes out at night to go to a convenience store to buy food. He has done this for seven years. Ricky Cook, he has an American father, a Japanese mother, in his late 20s. He has rarely left his room for three years out of fear of making a mistake in life. Oguri Ayako, he's been in his room for 10 years. He fails to even communicate with the outside world. The only way he does communicate is by occasionally sliding a letter underneath his door. The Japanese have a term for this. They call it hikikomori, which literally means indoors. And the term is for a group, a segment of people, predominantly men, who have not participated in society for at least, they say, a year. In 2016, Japan took a census of how many people fall into this category of hikikomori. 540,000 people from ages 15 to 39. And actually, they, they think it's even worse than that. Because these people remain hidden, they think the number could be double. Over a million people have been trapped in their rooms, have just hidden there for at least a year because of fear of the outside world. Well, we might think that's a problem across the ocean. Hikikomori, that must be a problem that's just in Japan. Well, it might be acute in Japan, but it's not isolated to just Japan. You might think locking yourself in your room for years on end might seem extreme, but the truth is we all have days that we'd like to lock ourselves away for fear of engaging the world, taking risks, living life. What does it take to have a perspective that you can actually engage the world, that you can live your life generously towards others, that you would have less anxiety, that you would live with joy and you would not lock yourself up in figurative hikikomori, but you would have freedom. Well, I think Ecclesiastes will answer that question today. Let's look together, shall we? Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. It's printed in your worship guide. I'm just going to go 1 through 6 today. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. 
As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Herein is wisdom. We're just joining us. We've been going through the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a book about the search for meaning. And we've gone through this search with a guy named Koheleth, his quest for meaning. And he's tried to find meaning under the sun, meaning finding meaning in the natural world. He's tried to find it through wealth, through pleasure, through wisdom, through work. And he's even experimented with trying religion. And he's found in all of this stuff, he has experimented to the greatest degree. This king with money and all these things and all this wisdom, he's experienced it all. And he has found that under the sun, everything is meaningless. It's vanity. It's hevel. It's a vapor, a smoke that you try to grasp for meaning and it cannot be found. And he is saying, you must not look just under the sun for meaning. You must look above the sun. If you try to find meaning in just the natural world, you cannot find it. It has to be found in transcendence. It has to be found in God, in something above the sun. Well, this book's been fun especially if you like philosophical exercises, if you like to be an existentialist and just daydream about life. It's just a fun book like that, you know? And it's fun. Oh yeah, it's fun to experiment and find out and think all these thoughts and this search for meaning. Well, Kohelet doesn't let us just be up in the clouds. He doesn't let us just think philosophically at the end of the book. He wants to challenge us here at the end. He will say, if there is an eternity, if there is transcendence, if there is a God, it will cause you to act a certain way. So while the daydreaming has been fun this summer, it's back to school time, folks. It's time for the practical. It's time for how this book of Ecclesiastes plays out in our lives. See, Ecclesiastes wants us to think about life under the sun from the perspective that there is something above the sun. So let us live our lives as if there is something above the sun. Well, if you're a skeptic, maybe you're questioning Christianity, I would encourage you that this would maybe give you some thoughts today. Maybe you're here today because this is what you do on Sunday morning, right? You come to church, right, in Wisconsin on Sundays. So that's why you're here. Maybe you're a Christian and been going to church your whole life. But the truth is, you've just kind of been living like there is no transcendence. That there is no God. You hardly think about God. Hardly live out his principles in your life. You, You don't take much thought of it. Well, Koheleth wants us to ponder. If we live in the reality 
there is something above the sun. It will cause us to change. He says it will cause us to be more generous, less anxious, and more joyful. If we see that there is something above the sun, it will cause us to be more generous, less anxious, and more joyful. Let's find out, shall we? Let's see what he says. Verses 1 through 2. This is a little weird. Um, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Um, I thought about this. Um, Maybe I went down to the Fox River where I am by my house and dropped some bread in there. And then maybe a few days later, I went down to Kakana and found my pieces of bread floating north, as the Fox River does floating and I just picked it up with my kids and started eating it, they would go, that's disgusting, dad. Why would you have this bread that's been floating in the water for a few days in the Fox River, no less, and eat it? That would be gross. What is he meaning here? Well, he's referring to maritime trade. He's referring to dividing merchant cargo. So if you take this trade that you're trading to different places and divide it, on different ships, you don't know what the merchant return will be. It's a risky business trade. But he says, cast your bread, cast your goods, your merchant goods over the sea, and you will return back something better, hopefully, after many days. And he expands on this and he says, give a portion to seven or even to eight. That's a lot to give a portion to seven. Well, only seven is actually the number that's really significant in the Bible. It's the number of completion. So you're not just saying give it to one or two to three. He's saying give it to seven, give it fully in completion. But he even expands past that. Don't just give to seven completion. Even, give even more of completion. Give eight, he says. Well, the key to understanding what he's saying is found in the second part of verse 2. He says, you know, take these, you know, merchant risks. Take this risk of giving generously to others. He says, do it for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Again, I find this perplexing. If I knew that disaster might happen in trade, I thought maybe the dollar will collapse at any time. Or if I knew that maybe there would be a food shortage, why would I give generously? Why would I involve myself in trade if I knew that disaster may happen at any time? Well, Koheleth is saying, if you live life above the sun, it will cause you to look at what happens in life in a different way. If disaster striking. Who knows what can happen to your stuff? It could all be gone at any time. Just like under the sun, you think, okay, if I live life just what's under the sun, all is what I have here, I'm going to try to get as much as I possibly can because there is nothing more. See, you understand, Koheleth is doing this. He wants us to see that our actions... What we do actually has an eternal value to it. It's being judged. It's being seen. 
There is something outside of just the material world. How we give, how we spend time, what we do with our lives, even when no one is watching, it is being watched by the eternal. It is being seen. There is something in ramifications of what we do under the sun to eternity. And if that is true, it will cause us to act differently about our stuff. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe in God or not, or whether you have a firm belief in transcendence, we all have to agree with this. We don't know what the future holds. All of us have to agree with that. So what do we do with that? If I don't know if my dessert will be eaten by my sister or my brother that's on my plate, if I leave to go to the bathroom, I better eat it all now. Because it could be gone at any time. If I don't know when I will die, I better experience as much as I can now. I better consume as much as my money now. I must enjoy it now because I don't know when it's going to go away. But Koheleth is saying, no, it isn't eat your dessert now. It isn't consume as much as you can now. He's saying, because of this reality that you don't know what's going to happen in the future, give it away. Give it away. You know, there was a wise teacher. And he taught this story. He said, you know, there was this rich man. He had all this extra stuff. And he said, what am I going to do with all this stuff? He said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger barns so I can put all my stuff in it. So I have many years to eat and drink and be merry. But you know what the teacher said? That man died before he could enjoy all that stuff. And the teacher taught to his people's pupils, he said this, so it is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God is like that man. So it is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. You see, that man had a perspective that all there was was what was under the sun. The one that gives away is the one that sees that there's a perspective of things above the sun. Concretely, it kind of plays out of how we might look at other people. It just radically changes how we look at others if we think that there's something above the sun or not. How I look at others, is it I want to experience what they are experiencing? I want to get what they have? I want to try and strive as much as I can to get what they are, where they are at. That just, that could be the way you view other people. In Japan, they're finding that's what happens with hikikomori. These men, aged 18 to 39, who have locked themselves in their room, the reason that they've done it is because they have not succeeded like their fathers have. Or their friends have. They haven't gotten married. They haven't had kids. They haven't succeeded. So what they've done is they've looked at others and now they've said, I can't deal with the pressure. So they insulate themselves. Because that's what life is. To get these things. To be a success. To make it in the job. 
And if I can't do that, I have to live in fear or anxiety or insulate myself because I can't look at the success of others. But you see, if you live like there is something above the sun, if you live like I will give to others, I will live generously, then you'll actually be free to live with others in your life. To look at them and say, God's given them that. He's given me this. I'm going to take whatever has been given to me and I'm going to live generously with it. Knowing that one day it will all be gone. You know that wise teacher, he also said something else. He said, truly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it just remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Do you get it? If you die to yourself, if you give of yourself, it will bear much fruit. If you don't, it will be alone. I don't even know that, but that's the gospel. I, I don't even heard of that, the gospel. That's the good news. You know, that, that wise teacher that I mentioned, that's Jesus. You say, great Jesus, yeah, be generous, give away, do all those things. Yeah, come on. What do you know? He knows this, that he is the one that gave everything away generously and even died so that there would be much fruit. You see, if we live in that power and in that reality, it allows us to live generously not knowing what will happen, even if disaster might strike, to give our bread, to give our portion, to live like there is something above the sun. Well, he goes on. If clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Here again, he gives two examples from nature about life. And what he's pointing out about life is one, the inevitability of life. Things happen like rain clouds deliver rain. And he also shows the randomness of life. Trees fall where they want. Storms come. They might fall the north or the south. They might find, fall who knows where. So the inevitability of life and the randomness of life. See, both of these realities can lead us to an action action or a false sense of security. I call it the weather app phenomenon. Maybe you know this, you know, you pull up your weather app and you have an event outside, right? And you are checking that weather app like every hour. Maybe you're that kind of person. And it says 50% rain. Now, if it says 50% rain, what kind of person are you? Are you the person that says, oh my word, it's going to rain. It's just, it's, it's, it says 50%, but that means it's 100%. It's going to rain. Okay? Cancel the event. It's over. Okay? Because it says 50%. Maybe you're that person. Maybe you're the other person that looks at the app and says 50% rain and says, it's only 50%. It's going to happen. 
And 100% sun, that's what you see. You don't see the 50% rain, you see the 100% sun, right? And people say, well, uh, shouldn't we have a backup plan? You're the guy who says, no, no, it's going to be fine. What person are you? See, the point is, time and chance can overturn the most sensible plans. There are risks in everything. So, if you see life as just what's under the sun, how do you look at the inevitability of life or the randomness of life? If you just live life like everything is under the sun. Well, if you're the kind of person that looks at the inevitability of life, that rain clouds produce rain, you might live the plug and chug equation of life. If I put this amount of money in my 401k, there will be compound interest and I will get this amount of money when I'm 65. That's the way it works. Plug and chug. If I get this degree and spend amount, this amount of time in getting my degree, I will get this job and this title. If I go out, out on this many dates with this person, they will, ask, they will say yes if I ask them to marry me. It's just plug and chug. You plug in the formula, the inevitability is there that these things will happen. But Kohel is saying, what happens when the equation doesn't work? And he who regards the clouds will not reap. What happens when there's failure with the equation? What happens when you plug and chug the 401k and the maturation of it does not happen? What do you do with that? Well, Koheleth is saying, you still live life even if your plan A doesn't work. You still live it out. Even if your investment doesn't mature, it might mean that the relationship with your kids should do the maturing. Even if your job doesn't produce the title or the thing that you want, maybe you should be working on a different title. Care for others. Maybe if the amount of dates that you spend with someone or the eHarmony or whatever dating app that you just plug and chug, I'm going to get a wife if I do this, and it doesn't work out. Maybe God is saying, I want to show you something different. Then there's the other end. Not you people that are plug and chug people, but the other people that see the randomness of life. Who knows what will happen? There might be a storm. It might, the tree might fall there. It might fall there. And then there's a potential to avoid risk and worry about failure. And you're paralyzed. Paralyzed by the potential failure. And you don't even live because of it. See, that's life under the sun. Life under the sun says, I'm going to do these things. It'll produce these results. Or you say life under the, that's, or you say life under the sun is, you know what? Who knows what's going to happen? It's going to be random. These are the things I see about life. So one option is I'll just try everything I can to put all my eggs in one basket. The other is I'll just be paralyzed by fear. That can be what happens when you see the realities of what's under the sun. David Gibson, he does such a great job 
We assigned that book to anyone that wanted to read it, Living Life Backwards. And this is what he says about the wise living that Koheleth gives to us. He says this, neither success or failure is ultimate. I'm going to say it again. Neither success or failure is ultimate. See, if you think that life is all that was under the sun, you will judge your results by what you see this life giving you. But if you see that there is life above the sun, you will start to see that there might be things that you don't see that are happening. Like the successes that people think are successes in this world might mean nothing in the realm of eternity. That the failures that you might see in this world might mean everything in eternity. Gibson says this, please hear this. What you seek to do is to control your life. To map it out and insulate yourself from all the risk and all failure. Then what you've forgotten is that you cannot control what only God can control. You will never know the delight of doing something that can give you back a reward you weren't expecting. That might not be enough for some of you that are paralyzed by fear. That there is a plan, that there is something above the sun. You're still worried, what if the storm comes? What if the tree falls? Maybe I'll give you a movie quote. Maybe that will motivate you enough, right? Remember William Wallace? You know, that great movie, Braveheart. At the end, you know, he's in jail to go to be executed. And the princess of Spain is there. And she offers him something so it will... It'll ease the pain of the execution. And he says, I'm not taking it, right? And she says, you will die. It will be awful. And what does Wallace say? Every man dies, but not every man truly lives. Every man dies, but not every man truly lives. That's Kierkegaard, right? It's the front of the worship guide today, right? Life can only be understood backwards, but it must be lived forwards. That's Ecclesiastes. You will die. You will die. How will you live? Hoarding, taking, fearful? Or you say, there is something above the sun. There is meaning and purpose to this life. And I will live it full. And if you live it for yourself, like everything is under the sun, you will live insulated. But if you live like there is purpose, there is something above the sun, you will live lavishly for others. Maybe you're not one paralyzed by fear. Maybe you are paralyzed by the need to succeed. I will do these things. I will perform these tasks. And this is what will happen. If I do this, I'll get this. I want to encourage you. God wants to open you up to so much more. There is more than just the fishing boat to life. 
There is more than just the cabin. There is more than just that the Packers make the Super Bowl. There is more than just having your kids all around you on Christmas Day so you can just love on them. There is more than that. Well, Koheleth brings it home. Verse 5 and 6. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Again, here he's bringing home, he says, we don't understand the grand scheme of how every piece of the world comes together. And he tries to show us by looking at a baby. Chris, great ultrasound picture today, looking at that. I love uh, PBS. PBS does uh, the Nova presentation about science. And one of the Nova ones they did was called Life's Greatest Miracle. You know what it was about? The growth of the human baby. See, even PBS calls life a miracle, right? It's fascinating, the intricacy that they explain in the show, that one cell, it starts as one cell, becomes 100 trillion cells. That develops hundreds of tissues, that develops major organs that that perform complex functions like the brain from one cell. See, if God can put all that together in us, put all those pieces together, maybe it shows that he might be able to put all the pieces together under the sun. Do we know how all those trillion pieces come together? Well, nowadays we have a little bit more understanding, but no. But just as each of those hundred trillion pieces come together to create beauty, so it is how God organizes this universe. Putting it together in his beauty, in his plan. You see, when we see the beauty that God has above the sun. That he is organizing this universe to his plan. It helps us to respond then with extravagant generosity. Lavish risk-taking. And with joy. Because we know we are a part of an amazing plan. That we're not going to withhold. Ogiar Ayakov, a young lady at that time, started a nonprofit in Japan called New Start. And what she did is she gathered people to draw the hikikomori out of seclusion. It would take months, she would pass notes under doors, even years to get to a place where they would receive a phone call. 
Then she would talk to them through the door. Then they might open the door and she would be able to come in and talk in the hopes that they would come out of their room and join a community that they would try to get job training. Ten years she's been at it with hundreds and hundreds of people. And she's rescued, and she uses the word rescued, 40 to 50 individuals from isolation in their rooms. Just recently, she rescued a man who was isolated for seven years. And they fell in love. And they got married. And now that man is doing the same thing she is. Rescuing his Japanese brothers from isolation. What a picture, huh? What a beautiful picture. How much more is it a picture of us? We aren't just isolated in our rooms. No, we are dead. We are sinners. We are in so much trouble. But Christ gave generously, lavishly. He took risks. He went from heaven to earth to live among us and to draw us out so that we would live joyfully, that we would respond to his invitation, that we would see the chains are broken and we are free. And then we would be married to him and we respond in like kind, giving generously, living life of risk, going out there and doing it because what has happened to us Last illustration and I'll be done. Luke Short was 103 years old and he was sitting under a hedge when he remembered a sermon by a Puritan preacher, John Flavel. Right there and then at 103, he confessed his sins and leaned on Christ's death and resurrection. He lived for three more years. And on his tombstone, it read, here lies a babe in grace, aged three years, who died according to nature, aged 106. Here's the crazy thing. The remarkable part of the story. The sermon that he heard from John Flavel was preached 85 years earlier. Almost a century between the sowing and the reaping. My friend, I don't know how my sermon might land on you. I hope it's more than 85 years. I don't know how you're talking with your friends or your neighbors or your family about the joy that comes where Christ will land. Know this, God has a plan. He knows. That's why you should sow your seed lavishly. You should toss it out, not knowing how he will make it prosper.
I pray we would be people that live generously, take risks, and even have joy when we don't always see the results. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this complex book of Ecclesiastes. Thank you for just giving us glimpses of what is above the sun so that we would see purpose of life under the sun. Help us to be people that live life like there is you above the sun. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.